Ralph and them wanted to know if Tony was here. Why, is he gonna be? You don't know what this guy did for me. Yeah, I do. Not get my stripes. Something I can't talk about. Something that was ruining my whole life, and he made it right. What I owe him, I would follow that man into hell. But why do they have to come here? I don't understand. This place isn't bugged. The cops and the feds don't know about it. Probably in time they will. Until then. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and it cracks me up every time that he laughs in her face. Welcome to Soprano. I uh, cut to black. A Soprano sit down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name's Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 44 episodes of The Sopranos, getting us up to Pi Oh My, episode 5 of season 4. But who made this episode, Jim? This episode was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess. These are names we hear constantly. A little mm-hmm. factoid we've mentioned in the past that Robin Green did work for Stan Lee at one time. He was his girl Friday, R.I.P. Stan Lee. Uh, this was directed by Henry J. Brockteen, who's a name we've heard before. He's directed three other episodes. This is the last episode mm-hmm. he directed, but he's a co-executive producer, whatever that entails, uh, for the rest of the series. Now, speaking of sit-downs, that was quite a sit-down to open the show when Adriana fo- uh, falls on the ground and Christopher laughs in her face. <laughs> Is that why you picked that clip, just for the <laughs> pun? Great. Oh, I approve. I do approve. Um, so, yeah, leading us into uh, the middle bit, almost now, of um, season four, we have a crazy horse. I mean, we do open, I need to point out, with the sign crazy horse for the bar. I mean, this is the kind of writing you won't find anywhere else. This is why Sopranos is the greatest show of all time, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, It's all coming together. Uh, Tony and Syl show up at Adriana's club. Like, it is weird. I mean, I know we've kind of been spacing stuff out uh, as we've been watching them, but it is like, oh, yeah, Adriana is an FBI informant. I forgot about that because we're hanging out with Johnny Sack and, you know, his wife and stuff for a while. I had exactly the same reaction of like, oh, she's really nervous about them being in her bar. Does she really not want it to become like a, a mob hangout? Is she is she like, uh, is this like Vesuvio? We don't want the mobsters hanging? Oh, no, yeah, no, she's an informant. But she's a really shit one because she doesn't tell them anything. I guess that's how most informants maybe start out. But uh, over the course of the episode, she kind of bleeds out a little bit of info. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because as we see, like, this is this... For the FBI, anyways, it's kind of this Hail Mary. They're, they, uh, I mean, they know she's connected because Christopher is obviously very ingrained with Tony, but she's, you know, she's Adriana. He's not going to be telling her, even though Chris is a dumb junkie, uh, he's not kind of going over details with her and she's not always around. Like, they're asking her weird questions like, you know, Ralph Cifarento went to Philly last week. Why'd he go to Philly? Of course, she's like, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it almost is like, all right, you're wasting your time, FBI. But Adriana does witness them dragging in, um, some dude. I think they call him like chips, chip Soto or something or other. Uh, they drag uh-huh. him in. He's he pissed on himself. And then I like how they, they, they don't bother. Well, I mean, I guess we do see some quick, quick clips of Furio, uh, beating him with a phone book, but <laughs> it's mostly yeah. in her reaction. Uh, that that I'm getting the feels and the fear and kind of like, uh-oh, like this is really what you're dealing with. This is what your bar is, Adriana. Wake up. 
Yeah, I thought um, actually when they were sort of showing her face, peeking in at that, I thought they were going to just hang on her face and have like the audio of what's going on because that does make it more scary. But then no, we do get Furio with the with the old <laughs> phone book there. So, yeah. which I it, this made me think like, huh? I guess phone books. Yeah, one of those things everyone has around. You can always beat someone up with it in this year. Like you can't anymore. What do mobsters beat people up with? That's always around <laughs> these days. Jim, bags of ice. Your Everyone's tablet doesn't have a freezer. Your iPad. Huh? <laughs> oh, your iPad. Well, no, it's so light. It'll just yeah. slip out of your hands. It'll just It'll break. break. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got to be something. In classic Sopranos fashion, like Sopranos loves to have kind of somewhat random stories to intercut in a way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're hanging out throughout this episode. You know, we're hanging out with Adriana and her dealings with the FBI. We have Tony and Ralph and Pio Mai. And then, of course, we have Janice. Uh, luring in Bobby and we see that in this next scene as she's kind of now apparently Janice lives in the same neighborhood as Bobby like I don't know if this was ever a thing before because now she's peeking out the window and watching him Uh, apparently he always lived down the street from uh, Livia Soprano and we see good old Mikey's wife I I think it's been a while since we saw her from season one you know when Mikey's telling her to shut up and calling her yeah that's her (laughs) yeah okay yeah, no, I was also like, what house is she in? How is, is, are they at her house? But no, I guess they're neighbors and it just never came up. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I mean, I guess it's convenient. It works for the story. And yeah, she gets to spy on who's there. And there is a nice, like, um, I mean, we intercut with Adriana at the hairdresser, but you do get the impression of how Janice and Mikey's wife are kind of sizing each other up like they both have this uh goal here they're trying to get their hooks yeah. in uh bobby bacala because he's he's the most eligible bachelor now <laughs> yeah for sure and i mean he is a great guy i mean they they keep saying that and, and he, it's so true he's like the greatest guy in the crew because when he first was introduced i was like and they made him out like look at the fat man let's laugh at the fat man and now i'm like ah oh, he's like a, a he's like a Winnie the Pooh. He's like a beautiful, uh, not too smart, but, you know, gets the job kind of done sort of guy. Either way, I don't want to drop the fact that they live across from each other because what the fuck? And it doesn't matter for the story at all. The, the rest of the episode, it's never, like, important that they live across from each other. She could have driven there in all the other episodes uh, or in all the other scenes she's there. So I have no idea what's up with that and if that will sort of pay off next uh, few episodes or not yeah it's just kind of to have this shot where she could be she's like on the phone but then she's also like peeking out the window keep an eye on what's going on and i mean let's kind of stay with this story for a bit because i know it kind of jumps around but um i guess one thing i like about it is that i mean obviously we're the audience we know janice and it is like what she's doing for herself is kind of gross and selfish but also, the advice she's giving Bobby is kind of not terrible advice. Like, she's giving him the right advice. And in a way, Junior is as well, but they're both doing it for very selfish reasons. So I think that's kind of like an interesting way to go about it because he shouldn't just be sitting there like he's like, it should have been me, and he doesn't want to basically live anymore. He wants to die, yeah. but he does have kids. Uh, you do kind of have to try to put your life back together and move on the best you can maybe they're pushing him a little too soon 
But I think it's interesting that a lot of the advice she's giving him I don't feel is terrible, but we just know it's bad because we know Janice is kind of up to no good in a way. Well, it's good advice in that they're going, you know, you got to get out there and do things and, and try to put your life back together. But the thing is, his life is full of mob stuff, so it's not really great either way. Like, sure. you got to get out. You just got to beat up some guys with phone books. Furio will take you out. He's got a new phone book. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's not the greatest thing to be doing, but it's probably great for him psychically, much like, you know, when Tony Soprano is doing Mario Kart with people he, uh, that owe him money. So, you know, well, kind of works out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because it is interesting that the there are two Sopranos characters, like the literal family Sopranos, that are pushing him to get back into his, you know, day-to-day. Because if this was Tony going in and, you know, uh, threatening a man and probably even pushing it a little further, as we've seen multiple times, that does work for him, because then he walks out... And he's kind of cheered up. And maybe it's because of people like this in his life that have kind of always been like, hey, you're down. Go, you know, take your negative energy out on someone and then you're going to feel better about yourself. Yeah, and I think he must have a slight sense of accomplishment there. He goes and threatens this guy and, you know, does a fairly good job of it, I guess. I mean, he's kind of a big, intimidating guy and he just does does a kind of threat there and Junior is happy that he dealt with it. And I think he, I mean, it's whatever you do in life, you got to get a sense of accomplishment from it. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it is interesting because Bobby is all, uh, like, at least from the episodes we've seen up to this point, like you said, he is kind of the usually portrayed as like the path- pathetic fat man, but he's like innocent. So we like him. But it's kind of it interesting to see him in his element, I guess, and kind of being a good, a good gangster. Uh, yeah. although being a gangster, it relies so much on faith. I mean, I'm sure he's doing a good job, but how do you know for sure? He just for sure is like, yeah, he won't be a problem, but how do you know? Maybe you have to do a second visit. We'll have to see. Oh, well, I mean, uh, it relies a lot on faith in that, people have faith in what a mobster is as well. The fact that he's there and saying those things, it's not just him. It's a bigger threat than just the man in front of you at the bar saying that you should be careful, you know? So it's also that type of thing that they, they much like a police officer, it's not like you can just, oh, I'll just kill this police officer and it won't, like, that will solve the problem that I'm having. You know, if, (laughs) if you were to beat up, even if he were to beat up this mobster guy, it's not like that would fix the problem for the guy in the bar, even if he could. Um, I don't know. That's a weird philosophical uh, thing there of society (laughs) and what we believe in and everything. But more importantly, I also want to mention, of course, Janice is like, you gotta, hey, you deserve to be Junior's right hand man. Maybe you should Hell be the yeah. boss, like yeah. with every boyfriend she has. If she, I, I bet that preacher guy she dated was also getting that. Like the deacon's not really the kind of guy who should be running things. You should be the pope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- was that the the narcoleptic guy? That dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And in such a in great Sopranos fashion, um, it works so perfect. It's that. Bobby has his dead wife's last ziti still in the freezer. And I mean, it obviously represents so much because the way food is used on this show and just, it also does feel just like a real thing. Um, like kind of hanging on to the, the last voicemail or something of a loved one that passed away. But here it is. It's this last ziti 
And, uh, of course, Janice is really trying to push it. I mean, she brings it up like, oh, okay, I didn't know. And then, of course, later in the episode where it's like, oh, I, MSG in, in Chinese food, uh, I can't, it, it knocks me right out. We could just, there must be something in the fridge. <gasps> the ziti. Uh, but luckily, Bobby, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Bobby, and he's still kind of like, no, I'm not ready. It's too soon. I can't eat Karen's last ziti. I actually saw, I mean, I mean, we saw the same thing, scene, but the, the feelings it evokes in me were quite different because it was like seeing it more from Bobby's perspective, like, and be, seeing Janice from his perspective, because he is obviously more positive towards her towards the end of the episode. Like, she is actually a positive influence, and she's, he's like, oh, we should go get something to eat or whatever. And that leads to this whole thing. But for me, it was kind of like, he's saying, I'm not ready to eat that yet. He's yeah. he's not saying, like, get the fuck out of my house and try no, to eat yeah, my no. wife's CD, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's it's a very good way of showing the progression of both of, where both of them are at at this point, I think. And it's a nice end point for their storyline here. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point because he, he does see that he will at some point. He will finally yeah. eat that ZD. And I do like the little moments of like, <laughs> When, uh, like you said, he does have a very positive outlook on Janice and she is kind of helping him. And then when he's talking mm-hmm. to Junior about it and, you know, she's been great and she like and they're describing the lasagna. And I love that it's it's reminiscent to me of like when they bring the the pizza in and it's like it was a custom job, you know, extra uh, <laughs> cheese, extra sauce, whatever. And then because uh, Junior's like, wait, <laughs> sausage? Like kind of under the cheese, like right with the. He's like, that's Carmilla's lasagna, uh, and it's like, get out of here, Junior. Always like thinking the worst of people, but of course we know that was definitely Carmilla's yeah. lasagna. <laughs> yeah, there's no question, um, which is great. And of course she, I mean, she's always lying about food. She brings over Mikey's <laughs> wife's thing yeah. and like gives the exact instructions. She like we can tell when she takes it away from the table that that's gonna get hidden away. But I didn't, I. I didn't expect her to bring it to Junior, like, here, yeah, and and pretend that she made it again. Like, it's a big recycling thing where, like, at no point has she cooked anything in her life. She just moves food, I assume. But anyway, let's get into yeah. some other parts of the story there. Most importantly, the part with the horse. Yes, yes. Uh, well, before we get into that, I... No, <laughs> we, you need to get into that. <laughs> okay, Jim, what were you Well, gonna I was going to say we should talk about, because at least going back to where we were uh, in the episode... Adriana is at the hairdresser and she gets a call from the FBI. They want her to come out and meet. And then, yeah, that, we kind of went over it a bit where uh, it's interesting how they bring this Danielle character back to basically, yeah. I assume this is the last, and again, I'm not even going off of seeing the episodes before they bring her back to be like, get out of here. See you later. Uh, Cause she's basically like hands Adriana off to this new uh, detective to kind of handle her case, which does make sense, but it's yeah. got to be weird as an actor um, because it kind of would feel like you're being brought in as this big part uh, and it doesn't quite go that way. I guess that's kind of like Sopranos for you. Uh, yeah. What I think is interesting about it is I like that even though Adriana kind of hates her because she betrayed her, you could feel that she doesn't want her to go because it's like she's a familiar face, you know? Yeah. 
for sure. And I, I think it's interesting the way they're treating her in general um, because it's they're not like, you got to do this or we're going to kill you. They're like, oh, you should probably do this and maybe you should try that. And like, I don't know anything. And th- she keeps saying she doesn't know anything and they let her do that and they let the silence hang later again when they're yeah. in the car, I think. And then like she just starts telling them stuff. And because... I guess their threat or whatever is like they don't go into like and we're going to put you in jail. They're like, "Oh, it's going to be dangerous for Christopher." And she doesn't believe that or doesn't want to believe that. But then she starts realizing the violence around her in the club and everywhere. So, yeah, she starts I guess that's why she starts leading a bit more that way. That's I suppose why they're not like, "We're going to put you in jail for 20 years" because they they probably can't. They probably couldn't. Maybe yeah. it's Christopher, but not her. Yeah, and I like the moment here when they have this first meeting and they start talking about uh, Pussy Bump and Saro, and she's like, he's oh, in the yeah. Witness Protection Program. It's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Hmm, do you know anything about that? And then even her Uncle Richie, and it's like, well, yeah, he's also in the Witness Protection Program, and it's kind of you know, mapping out uh, a potential, maybe they're like, ah, Adriana, she went to the Witness Protection Program, that bitch, you know, like... That's the story everyone kind of has to go with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, things are like, I guess it it is interesting because it does show that uh, these FBI agents kind of do know what they're doing because it does show they're, they, they're good at manipulating her anyways. Because uh, mm-hmm. like you said, just letting the silence hit, giving her some of these details, kind of uh, getting her to notice these things around her now and have to make a choice. Yeah. And now... We're going to talk about the horse. Yes. <laughs> Be- and the reason I'm excited about this is, Jim, like, you have some Italian Italian blood flowing through your veins. Yeah. Uh, Mamma mia, right? <laughs> yes, but So yeah. you always have, like, a, you always, you're always on top here, and you always have, like, some special insight, like, what ZD is, things like that, that I, I wouldn't really know about. I still don't. But getting into this stuff, I've worked at a horse racetrack Ooh. for... About a decade, and uh, I know all about horse race tracks, because uh, if you need... Actually, I don't. I did the same thing for 10 years, but (laughs) hey, I still feel like this is my area of expertise. I'm really excited about it. Now, do you think that Tony was giving some good advice here? Um, To be honest, didn't work on that side (laughs) of the track, so... um, but but yeah no it, it, I suppose it's a good advice mainly I know just I just know what a fraction is when they talk about like what a fraction is that's how they calculate like the speed I'm like oh a thing I know they're talking in miles so I still have no idea what it means because we measure in kilometers but still uh, so it, it, I'd say it's good advice did, got got them there in the end did you have random goats just walking around your uh, ho- oh yeah horse tons track? tons. <laughs> I mean, we probably did because my our racetrack was more rural. So you could probably find a goat um, if you went into the right stables. Well, the thing I the thing I was kind of con- concerned about uh, was it the last episode where they kind of set this up a bit? Uh, no, yeah, it was actually or, in Christopher. It was in the Christopher oh, okay. episode because that's when we first they're at the horse track and then Hesh um, and his oh, yeah. friend almost fight. And then when when we were discussing it, I knew the name of the horse. I was like, oh yeah, Piomai. And then you're like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, oh, no, I've given away. Have I given away that Piyama is important? Because I just knew. How, why the hell else would I know the name of the horse? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I will say, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I want to just mention real quick the last shot of the episode. 
to me is that's very, that's very far ahead Jim. yes <laughs> but i just want to say it real quick i mean i'll get into it more when we get to it but uh it's one of those images when someone says the show the sopranos for some mm-hmm. reason that is one of the first images that pops in my head i guess because it ties in obviously like tony and the ducks and all that and how tony has this thing with animals that he doesn't quite have with people um yeah. But I just want to say great stuff. Like it's just it's burned in my memory whenever someone says the Sopranos is when Tony's sitting there with his cigar and he's, you know, petting the horse. But anyways, backing up. uh, I love that. It's classic Ralph fashion. Like he's kind of just complaining about the stupid horse and Tony like gives his stupid opinion kind of. uh, And they're all saying like. It's weird because I didn't feel like Tony was really trying to even push his idea too much, but everyone's commenting on it. Like, Hesh is like, I got to defer to the professionals here. I think they know better. And then even the trainer's yeah. like, I know better. And then Tony's like, yeah, fine. Uh, but then as we see, because of an accident or whatever happens, Tony's strategy seems to work out with this race and Piomai wins. To be, I mean, to be honest, I was joking. Like, I don't know that much, but like, yeah, if a horse, like, the horse wants to run. Like, that's the thing. Horses want to run. They like running, I think. I've never, I've not had as deep an intimate connection as Tony has with Piomai. But just generally speaking, like, you have to hold them back a little bit because there are horses that will, like, win race after race. But if you, like, if you go ahead, any horse that's, like, more than a length ahead after one lap is is going to be way behind, like, by the last lap, unless they're, like outclassing the competition which does happen from time to time but generally speaking it, you everyone keeps together it's easier to run when you're together in a pack like it's the same with like uh, like the ducks in the sky flying in a v <laughs> formation or whatever like Absolutely. you you help each other out by running together so everyone kind of sticks together and also you don't want to like come up on the side at like the wrong time because if you're on the outside it means a longer running thing because you're going around in a fucking circle so if you're on the outside you're actually running further so if you're like three horses deep man i do know this stuff you know um <laughs> it's, it's so i mean his advice is the most basic advice ever i guess <laughs> is what i'm trying to say <laughs> and uh it's it's i love the way it comically plays out because Tony's doing his thing at first because then, you know, spoiler alert, Piomai wins the race. Uh, Ralph's freaking out because he put like, what, 5,000 on it. I think he said <laughs> it was like eight to one or something. And he's like, Anthony, you are a genius. He's like, I insist because Tony, of course, is like, oh, I couldn't. You know, how I, how could I take a piece of your winnings? He's like, I insist. Yeah. You're great. And then it, it moves to the conclusion of. Tony holds his hand out because he made a suggestion and then it's like not enough and he has to keep getting more hundreds or whatever bills he's pulling out. Uh, And it's such a great parallel to how Carmilla is at home trying to talk to Tony about finances and he's being such a like, you know, miser, I guess, you know, I don't have, Mm -hmm. we don't have money. Look at what's going on. Watch the TV, the stock market, all this but then he's just, you know, blowing money at the track and gambling and stashing it in the bird feeder. Uh, I, I like it does feel like this season's been about. I mean, I, I guess it has been about because he literally says it to Christopher. He's really isolating himself from not just his mafia people, but even like his family. 
Yeah, but uh, is he even blowing money at the horse racetracks? Isn't he just? Isn't it a sure thing because he just takes money off Ralph, or is he also betting a lot? I'm pretty sure he's also betting. That's the impression I'm getting with the way he's oh, yeah. the way he's acting. Like he's still You're right. They. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I was just saying I, they are up at the till at one point, so yeah. he's definitely betting something. And he's still like, you know. She's asking for $10,000, and I know he's acting like it's a lot, and he does that with Carmilla a lot. We we talked about it in the past of, uh, you know, when, what, it was 50000 for the college, but then he bought her, like, a $50,000 ring or whatever. So sometimes, like, to him, it's okay. Uh, so it is, like, this weird, you know, he's, he's saying, like, oh, we don't have this, we can't do that, and then he literally in the next scene he goes out and pulls out a whole huge stash of money and he's like breaking off some bills that he's going to take to the track basically yes and on this topic he uh, meets up with ginsburg i guess you have your business meetings at the racetracks just yep. to make everything more efficient get some advice like yeah sure like why not buy those bonds or whatever but this whole trust thing i don't know about this which again we need someone who's an expert on this to come in much like i'm an expert on uh, horses <laughs> yeah um to actually explain like because he's like a trust in itself is a good thing it avoids prying eyes and things but there's other ways to do it uh and he says yeah <laughs> inter vivos a living trust um yes. which sets up a great tony moment where he could say it wrong in vitro he said he he yes. calls it in vitro yes. later on <laughs> yes uh exactly and uh yeah so they they do the betting on the horse and then uh Paimai wins it is a, a nice oh. exciting scene hands over the cash and and he does specifically say when they are talking finances, he mentions something about if Carmilla gets like too independent. Like he mentions something about her getting into stocks, and then like he's worried it's about Coca Cola this and Intel yes, that. Yes. Um, and then yeah, with the trust, it's like he describes it as it's more of like a life insurance trust, which is mm-hmm. what uh, uh, in, in perpetuity or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I use that right, but like, yeah, he mentions it. You're locked in basically. And he's saying, yeah, living trust or something different where, you know, things don't work out. Uh, Tony can take his money and run, I guess. Yeah, I guess essentially like if they got divorced and then he died, Carmela would still get everything. And, you know, of course, Carmela and Tony, they've never had a proper fight. They always get along. But in his mind, I'm sure it's like, well, I don't need anyone to have any motivation to want me dead. Like people already want me dead in my business, yeah. so we're good. We're good with on that. Um, and, and, so, and plus, yeah. in classic Tony fashion, because I mean, the way he even describes it, like, oh, she takes God. care of the home, and then he's supposed to take care of the finances. And they even have the scene where he's counting out money for her. Like he wants, like he said, out there it's 1999. In here it's 1955 or whatever. And he very much wants that. But Carmilla is pushing, pushing the, the household into the future. Well, and even worse uh, about how he describes it, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign your things. I'll get your oh, hopes up. And yeah. then he signs them and then he leaves one. And she's like, but that was the whole point. And he's like, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about, Tony? Like, he could have broken that to her in a better way. Like, he still wants to set up a trust, and she would probably be fine with it, but he has to fuck it up so bad that he gets the silent treatment for, like, the rest of the episode. Well, and he even pitches it in this way, I gave you two out of three. Like, he's, you know, he's gifting her. He's allowing her to have something, basically. So, yeah, he handles yep. it completely wrong. <laughs> 
Yep. And uh, back to uh, Adriana. She's pretending to be sick because she doesn't want to go to uh, to Tony's place because then she might hear something and then she might... Like, she <laughs> wants to be outside. Like, she wants not to know stuff because then she can't betray anyone or, <laughs> like, then it doesn't matter if she's an informant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a smart play because just don't put yourself in any of these situations because then you do have this plausible deniability uh and i christopher like it i do feel for him but then I, then he just immediately grabs his his heroin or whatever and he's just kind of like nothing ever goes my way yeah nothing <laughs> it's such a, like a little bratty thing to say like i do feel yeah. for him because he's saying like you know this is like part of it because it could i bring this up a lot but this could be any business or any career there are things you do like this. It's like, oh, the boss wants us to come over for dinner. This is important. This is networking. This is that. But, you know, mm-hmm. poor Christopher, nothing ever goes my way. I'm going to shoot up instead. Yep. Uh, yep. And and there's another sort of similar scene where he comes in, I guess, early in the morning because the clock placed very prominently says it's like 10 to 7 or something like that. And uh, he puts away his gun and she's cooking her eggs and and she starts talking about how hey we could move to la or whatever (laughs) or santa barbara and like she should she might as well have said like and you can be a screenwriter and i'll be an actress (laughs) like it's not gonna happen yeah um (laughs) but uh yeah um and then yeah we have uh brian keeps being brought around brian's the i guess carm's cousin and uh, tony brings him over to the the track I guess he's just – I don't really understand, like, why he's bringing him around. I guess it's kind of like doing it for Carmilla and then also, like, buttering him up in a way. I don't know if it's, like, bringing him in a, on his side more. Uh, and it does feel like he's just one of those – since he is kind of a uh, citizen – like a – what do they call it? What would they say? Like, not a citizen, but just a regular – uh civilian he's more of a civilian in comparison to them being in the mob even though these finance the biggest crooks there are bigger than any mob right uh Mm. but that's where he kind of brings him there and ralph's with the horse and kind of ralph fucks with him a little bit and tony gives a little bit more race advice um and gets kicked up uh to tony because it's yet another victory and then what o'brien uh laughably bet to show does that mean like they just come in first second or third is that what betting to show is it's uh we had a swedish horse race track but i believe that is what it means okay so and obviously that pays out way way less than if you just say bet to win and they all laugh at them that's (laughs) just did a quick check and yes it's it's if you're in the on one of the top three positions so yeah he would get he'd still win but way less yeah um and, and then what uh, else we got yeah, <laughs> well yeah i'm just kind of going yeah and then yeah we got another tony and carm she's mad since tony tony does mention i uh, just came into some money because ralph did kick up to him he's like let's go let's go on that stock now let's do the stock thing he's trying to make her happy but that's probably making her even more mad because the stock's already split they missed out on that um and then and then oh actually yeah. Going back to that scene you were talking about with Adriana and Chris, because I think that's when, unless something of a different scene here, because he keeps telling her she's bringing up negative shit because yeah. she's talking about how something could happen to him, and then he brings up his uh, the raven or the bird that he saw. And, but yes. I love the way he describes it because he's like, "I'm ar- I'm already under a what do you call it possibly." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, like a curse or whatever is yeah. basically what he's trying to say, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Great. Great stuff, Christopher. And, um, I mean, we have the chair breaking, of course, and then him laughing about the chair breaking, like you mentioned, in her face. Um, her place is, her, like, she's trying to insulate herself from the mob stuff. But, hey, if Mohammed can't come to the mountain, the mob stuff will come to you, Adriana, and you'll just have to overhear stuff, and then you won't have a choice anymore. Yeah, and, um, and it just shows, like, how naive she is, because, obviously... Uh, does she, you know, we already know, we saw how they got the club because the guy was like a degenerate and he had to give the club up. So did she, she's not like hip to the game like Charmaine. Like Charmaine understands that once there you get a favor, that doesn't mean like, okay, you're all set now. Uh, because even before that, before Chris gets to laugh in her face, Ralphie and his crew get to laugh in Vito's face because... He's a big fat man that sits in her chair and breaks it after comically yes. ordering nachos and looking at the menu and getting food and everything, kind of just taking over. Yes, and I mean, speaking of people being naive, we also have that in the opening clip of like Christopher going, oh, the cops and feds don't know about oh, this place. Yeah. Probably in time they will. And it's like, not only do they know about this place, <laughs> your girlfriend's working for them. Um fiance i should say um but yeah even just like oh they don't know they're 10 steps behind and it's like weirdly somehow sometimes it does feel like that when adriana's meeting with them and they're like who's this person like why is this person going here and that like they track all the movements but they don't know the whys behind it so i guess that's why adriana's got to come in and say no they were picking up this and that uh because they actually they definitely know whenever tony goes to this club it's like okay this club is important now yes yeah and we do get a. Uh, we kind of already went over the Bobby storyline, but I do want to cut back over because we get Junior in hilarious fashion being upset over the cartoon drawing of him on the TV, and his yeah. line is so funny because he's like, "I'm fodder for cartoonists now," because uh, Bobby's just like, "Well, you know, hey, if they were good, they'd be in a museum or something. They're just shitty courtroom uh, cartoonists." Uh, it's a great thing for his uh, whole uh, court storyline because all along he's he, it's just been showing the little details like the like he's concerned like they're coming in to judge his whole life and he's there concerned about like the bill for the lawyer for one specific thing and like the parking outside or whatever like how is he go like who's gonna drive me there like I want are you wearing that to court like but none of that none of the stuff in the actual <laughs> like we haven't seen any of the actual court proceedings we've just seen these little details and they're coming in to like decide what's gonna happen with the rest of his life he turns around at and is glaring at this cartoon. <laughs> Is given like exactly the same look that's also in the TV, which I think they did definitely intentionally, of course. It's great. And um and he also steals change out of that old man's jacket. Like I, I forget the guy's name, but the guy yeah. that fills in for Bobby. And uh, yeah. I, like I love how they have to show us, you know, like a nice zoom in detail shot. It like he picks up his jacket, reaches in, finds like some quarters. It's just some quarters, and he fucking takes them still. He puts them in his pocket. Junior is yep. fucking what a great character, uh, and I love the way it's shot too when he's glaring at the photographer because it's it's a shot of Junior they use a lot in promos because it's such a badass like the camera's pushing in nice and slow and he's got this death stare where when you yeah. see it out of context you're like oh shit like what's Junior gonna do but no he's staring at a cartoonist because he doesn't like the way he drew him. It's like that parking garage all over again with <laughs> yeah. Tony walking there and and the psychiatrist. Um, 
or so uh we also then again with the horse tony starts going like because at the start of the episode he's like oh too big of a commitment and then towards the end he's like how's our girl you know what i think they got these titanium shoes we should give them that and ralph's kind of like it's kind of taking the fun out of it for him because he wanted the fun of owning the horse and tony's getting all of the positive stuff without any of the negative stuff so actually ralphie's like reasoning here makes perfect sense He's like, oh, yeah, take down this number and call this guy and he'll fix it for you. And uh, it works out pretty well, I guess, because uh, as far as Tony understands, they, they couldn't reach Ralph. So he just has to go and do it. And he actually cares about Pyomide. That's the fun thing is that's how we get to this whole biblical uh, panorama of an ending. Yes. Yeah. Um, because And I love that it's it's like kind of glossed over, but the detail is that the vet won't work till he's paid because that me and, and we know Ralphie. So we know there's been instances where he just probably didn't pay the guy. Uh, and yeah. given like I get why Tony's pissed at the vet, like the vet is a piece of shit because it's not this poor horse's fault that Ralph's his owner. But you're right. Ralph's ra- rationale makes complete sense because Tony is. Like Ralph's paying, he's he's Ralph is paying for all this stuff. Tony's bringing up these, yeah, what titanium horseshoes, but he's not fitting the bill for them. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let Tony handle some of the 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 guess downsides of owning a horse. And you know, Carmela's already upset with him, and now and she even I love how she's like, you bought a horse, and he but he like yeah. he's like no, like Ralph bought a horse, but it's like. You bought a horse. I can't believe you bought a horse after all this arguments we've been having. Um, and, I mean, in between, they intercut where we see that everything is getting to Adriana where she goes into Chris's stash and she's also shooting up heroin, uh, looking for some sort of release from all the stress she's under. But, yeah, like I said, the last shot, and I believe, speaking of the promo with the um, – uh, the parking garage scene from a, a couple episodes ago. This is another one of those. I remember they used the shot of Tony coming into the doorway and it's raining behind him and it's dark and it looks intense like something's going to happen, but it's yeah. just him showing up and being very sweet with Pyomai, uh, <laughs> which I, it's, it's always, it's, I mean, it's kind of an easy character thing to do to have this, like sociopathic murderer criminal, but then have them be mm. sweet around animals. It's it's yeah. not the most original thing, but it works so well uh, for the character of Tony Soprano, I feel. Yeah, and just the way it's acted, of course. Yeah. I mean, he always brings something special to it, Gandolfini. Um, and and I can I can see why you this like this shot would stick in your mind because a lot of the show even though it's a great show a lot of it is kind of visually similar of like now we're eating food in this kitchen now we're eating food in this restaurant (laughs) now we're eating food in the car um so this one does stick out kind of similar to like pine barrens them stumbling around in the forest um which i mean that has that kind of thing has happened a couple of times uh but just like whenever they bring in ducks or the fact that there's a horse in a Essentially, like it looks like um, uh, a manger, almost like a <laughs> like a Bethlehem situation there, and horse and a goat, and it just uh, it makes it uh, something that I don't think this shot is ever going to be in the show again, you know, yeah. or any show. Absolutely, absolutely, it's such such a great shot, I, such a great ending to the episode, which 
I, I, I'm not a hundred percent, but I feel like younger me when I was originally watching the show and it aired, I was probably didn't appreciate, uh, like yeah. I do now. Cause I just wanted like a big showdown or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it is a big deal. Cause horses aren't supposed to lie down like that, Jim. Like that's not how they sleep. <laughs> I didn't think uh, so. so if, you, if a horse is lying down on their side, you know, something's gone wrong. <laughs> Terribly wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess, Pyomai was probably fine. Like, I, I know you can't say, but I'm assuming that Pyomai got through this. Like, I want to live in a world where Pyomai was fine. So we're not raising the death counter. Yeah, no, nothing on the death counter. No walkouts this week. Just, uh, you know, just getting into the psyche of these characters. Just hanging out with them for a bit. And that's when kind of Sopranos is at its finest, in my opinion. Yeah, good point. Uh, but what about your opinion? You can send your thoughts to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Uh, that's an email address we have. Once again, it's showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. We call it that because our website is actually showswhatyouknow.com. We can find all of our shows about shows. Jesus, I am well, in a real loop. Let what? me cut you off real quick because speaking of that, we did get an email. Um, and it's oh. kind of fitting we could talk about it here at the end because it's more about – reaction to our season three uh some of our season three discussion so this is kind of like in a comic book you get to the letter section in the end and they're talking about stuff from like five issues ago but hey uh this is from dan uh really enjoying binge listening to the podcast i've watched sopranos from start to finish more times than i can count i'm just finishing up with your episodes on season three and i've and i have a thought regarding jackie jr and what was going on with school i do love that we kind of open up this can of worms of like how he, you know, had Meadow do a paper, but he had supposedly dropped out by then. So it's like, wait, yes. is he just a douche? And it's kind of, he's commenting <laughs> on that here. Uh, I'm just finished. On, yeah, I read that. Uh, I was sort of under the impression that maybe he never officially dropped out and that he wouldn't have to officially drop out until the end of the semester when the school realized he'd failed all his classes. Maybe he right. kept going back to give it another try, getting his grades up. Or maybe it's as you say, and he's bullshitting Meadow <laughs> and he got to write a paper <laughs> on Edgar Allan Poe because he's a douche. <laughs> Either way, you guys are doing a fine job with your analysis, and I'm slightly disappointed. I've caught up with you in real time and now must wait a week in between episodes. Uh, Thanks again for stimulating conversation. Looking forward to your thoughts on the rest of the series. Cordially, Dan uh, Pakzgowski. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name, but uh, thank you for the email, Dan. We appreciate that. And, yes, as Jacob said, you can email us as well at showswhichyknowshow at gmail.com. Perfect. You can also, if you want to send us a message in some other way, you can also leave a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice, which we really do appreciate. It does help us out. Um, And apart from that, I, I just have one more thing to say. Oh, what's that? Cut to black. Cut to black.